is it you haven't seen the god song psycho? Bro, you have seen Taxi Driver. Have you seen the man who shot the city How have you seen Network? Why have you seen the Terminator? Hello and welcome to FilmWise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. My name is Bubba Wheat, and here with me today is David Brooke from Blueprint Review. How are you doing today? Hello, not too bad. A bit of a cold, so I'll try not to cough, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I know it's... A lot of people get sick around this time of year, yeah. so that's something you just got to fight with. And yeah. and uh, as usual, we are going to be talking about a couple different movies, one that I had never seen before and a comic book movie that David had never seen before. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you tell people just a little bit about yourself and uh, where you can be found online? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, I, uh, as you say, I run a Blueprint Review, uh, which has been going for about uh, four years now, I think I, I, I checked today just to find out. Before then, I used to have my own little blog um, called, if I remember, what, I think it's just like Dave's UK Movies or something. It's pretty naff. Uh, <laughs> I had that going for a while. Um, but basically, Blueprint is uh, I, I work for a company and a video production company, and uh, we make our own films and stuff like that. And uh, we kind of, as an off an offshoot from the company, we created because the company's called Blueprint Film. Uh, we created Blueprint Review through the company, but um, as a bit of a, I mean, it doesn't make money. Obviously, you can't make. It's very difficult to make money from uh, film blogs. But it's mm-hmm. kind of just something on the side that we thought carry the company name on, but um, but just be something that we do in our own time. And uh, and I kind of took it on, and uh, it's become a big part of my life. I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, we've got a lot of writers, but. Um, I, I tend to run things and uh, provide a lot of the reviews myself. Um, as for the site, it's kind of uh, it's a bit of a free for all, really. I'm not. It's not like a strict sort of. Uh, we don't just follow certain like new releases. We don't just follow uh, like niche sort of genre things. It's um, a bit of a free for all. If anything, the thing we cover most is sort of home video releases in in the UK because um, I have quite a lot of contacts with uh, PR companies and DVD companies and stuff like that who send me screeners. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. That's kind of one reason I still still keep with the blogging. I think is I just can't resist the lure of free movies. So um, <laughs> so a lot of that, a lot of the reviews of that. And in terms of me personally, I've started to I've started to specialize a lot of my reviews in sort of classic movies because uh, I get films sent from Masters of Cinema and they're a bit like the British Criterion basically and mm-hmm. uh, I, I review a lot of their films because I, I can't say no when I get offered those for free because they always sound amazing <laughs> so I tend to review a lot of those more than some of the new releases um, yeah, which I guess sounds like you're a man of my own heart uh, although yeah. the only difference is I don't have those nice contacts so I get a lot <laughs> fewer free movies yeah I, I, I get I get a ridiculous number of offers these days, so I have to. If I don't review it, I send out the emails to all my other writers, and it's, uh, it's it's mad. I get too many. I get I get probably a couple a day. It's ridiculous, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. It's all good fun. All right. Well, as usual, I also have a few questions to get to know your movie taste a little bit better. So, what are three movies that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? Okay, uh, there's, I struggle, you'll find with all these questions, I'm a little indecisive sometimes, so <laughs> I've got four, but I'll try and keep to three, but there's two big ones that I have seen hundreds of times, uh, and that is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> which, um, it was more, I, I, to be honest, I actually haven't seen it for a while, but when I was a kid, I used to be able to recite the whole film from start to finish, I've just, I've seen it so many times. The second one is This Is Spinal Tap, and that's one I do still watch, um, it's one of my all-time favourite films, and I, I, just, I never tire of it, I, I love that film and then I was struggling for the third one I think 
Return of the Jedi I've seen an awful lot um, because that was actually the first Star Wars film I saw. It came out, um, I, I think I had it taped off TV when I was little and um, I've watched that a hell of a lot. But I've also watched Stand By Me a lot and I couldn't quite decide which to pick out of those. Stand By Me, I probably... Actually, no, I was going to say I still watch Star Wars now, so I wouldn't say I watch Star Wars more now as an adult, but it's kind of even, those two films. I, I know them both very well. Nice. Yeah, I, I've... I have yet to see this as Spinal Tap, but oh, uh, I saw I did see it on your list. I was tempted to pick it, but I thought I, I've been a bit greedy with my picks. Actually, I kind of picked films that I had waiting on DVD that I hadn't watched for a while or hadn't watched at all. So, uh, but I almost went for that. <laughs> yeah, but but the other ones are some great films, that, and they're yeah. some of my favorites. Although I haven't seen Bill and Ted in in forever either. No. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a that's a, a great classic '90s flick. Yeah, yeah, I think because I was I was born born very early '80s, so um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of the old sort of '90s stuff. I mean, as you'll see when we get into uh, Time Cop later, I think uh, that is an era that's very close to my heart. The sort of uh, '90s, especially the action films. We'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before I get to the next question, let me ask you real quick. What do you think about Bill and Ted Three? That that seems like it's been in development oh, yeah. forever. I don't know. It's an it's an odd one. It seems I don't know. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I don't quite know how they'd work it. How it's gonna, just gonna be a bit weird having like a middle aged Bill and Ted. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm a bit dubious to be honest. But uh, but I'll, I'd probably end up going and seeing it because I, the the films the films are pretty close to my heart. So. Yeah, I'll give them a go, but I am, yeah, I'm very dubious. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about it, especially since they're bringing back Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. If they didn't get those two, then then I don't think I'd be interested. But since those two are on board, I'm I'm very curious to see if it'll if it'll ever ever actually get made. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. All right, and then what's your favorite film that you've only seen once? Uh, I think it's probably Seven Samurai. Um, I saw that for the first time. That was actually a massive. That was probably my biggest film why for a long time. Which because I, I love Japanese cinema, I love samurai films, um, I love sort of action cinema. And for some reason, I just never seen Sam, samurai. I loved Kurosawa. I'd seen several of his films, but um, I think it was the yeah, the length. The length always put me off, so I never watched it. Uh, but the, this year, actually, I got it sent to review, and uh, so I had to watch it. And oh god, it was it was incredible. I just couldn't believe I'd waited that long to see it. It was I absolutely loved it. It's uh, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely my number one for that. Yeah, that, that's really a seminal film and and mm. one of his best. And uh, and I also watched it for the first time recently. Although it, it didn't quite blow me away as, as much as it as it did for you, but uh, I, I can definitely respect it and and I can mm. see why it's held in such a high regard. Yeah, and uh, as always, I ask everyone, what is your favorite superhero movie? I struggled with this one. <laughs> um, I looked at your list on the site actually on on the letterbox, and my favorite film on there I wouldn't normally think of as a as a superhero film. So I kind of put some other options, but because it's you because you, it's on there, I'm going to go for it. It's probably RoboCop. I think I never thought of it as a superhero film. I guess I guess. Uh, I guess it could be. <laughs> well, I, whenever I started my site, I, uh, I at one point I came up with certain criteria for what defines a, a superhero movie. Yeah. And whenever I broke it down, RoboCop really fit all of those criteria because it, it's set 
in the present or the near future, because um, it, it is like the the near future within like a hundred years. It, it's it's not super futuristic, um, but it is in the future. It's the uh, the hero has a uh, kind of a secret identity. It's it's even secret from himself. Yeah. Uh, and throughout the movie, he kind of he kind of finds his his true secret identity. Um, mm. And he, of course, has uh, superhuman abilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being a cyborg, and uh, he has basically a costume. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. It just yeah, when I when I thought about it, like like you say, a lot of those things had come to mind. I, I, yeah, I guess it was. It just wouldn't instantly. I guess because it's so like violent and stuff. I always think of it as an action movie, but there's no reason that an action movie can't be a superhero movie. I mean, right. Yeah. It, it's kind of like. Um, I mean, he's very similar to the Punisher. Yeah, yeah. If you look at it that way, and a few, I think, just because Punisher has deeper roots in comic books, uh, yeah. people don't question uh, the Punisher as much as being a superhero, even though he doesn't have superpowers. But then, whenever you come to RoboCop, it's like, well, that's a sci-fi movie, not a superhero movie. Mm. Um, I guess it's also yeah, sci-fi as well as action. It's also yeah. satire. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a great film too, and and one of my favorites. And I, I'm glad that I'm kind of glad that it does fit those criteria. So I was yes. able to feature it on my site at, at some point. Um, nice. And then if you were to to write on just a, a narrow niche of movies, something like superhero movies or time travel movies or like movies with robots in them, what would it be? Uh, it would probably, I think it'd have to be martial arts movies to me. I'm a big, big martial arts man, especially the um, uh, the sort of late 70s, early 80s Hong Kong sort of stuff. I love the sort of Sammo Hung, Jackie Chan, all that kind of thing. It, it, yeah, it'd have to be martial arts movies to me. Nice, yeah. Um, and and those are one kind of movies where it's, they are, I, I think that they're, kind of closely tied especially like the uh, i believe it's pronounced uh, wuxia or wuxia yeah. uh, style of martial arts films where they, they it's like the the superhuman martial arts with like crouching tiger yeah. hidden dragon uh, although i decided that that mainly because that is such a a large uh, group of movies to exclude them from my sight yeah I uh, know, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've been into for a long time, sort of martial arts movies. But yeah, I, I am a big fan of those. All right, and finally, what is your biggest film-wise at the moment, uh, a film that you haven't seen yet that you feel like you really should have gotten around to by now? Uh, I'm very nerdy about this. I actually keep quite a big list, so it's hard to pick one. But um, I think the biggest one for me uh, that I really want to try and hit in 2015 is is probably The Great Escape. I'm not sure if it's as big in the US. Is it? Is it quite in England? It's quite a, like a classic film. It's on. It's on like every bank holiday, and everyone in the UK has seen The Great Escape. But um, is it as big in in, in the states? Um, I, it's hard for me to tell if how big a movie is. It's definitely one that I know of. Uh, I know like the the music from it, especially yeah. that that's something that that's very iconic and, and a lot of people know. And I, I think. It's part of it is because it's been parodied so many times. Like the the biggest one that that I can think of is that it, there's a great scene in an episode of The Simpsons where they have the great escape with Maggie and oh uh, yeah 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 <laughs> and that that's and it's also been done 
like many different places. Uh, but as far as the movie, it's I, I don't know if the movie itself is as big or if it's mainly just about like that music and that yeah. that part of the movie. Yeah, the music's big over here. I think in in England, it's used uh, the music's used a lot in like football matches and stuff like that. They kind of adapt it and change the lyrics and well, add lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's very big over here. I think the other one I almost went with is Ben Hur. I haven't seen Ben Hur yet either. Another very big sort of classic one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, it's good to hear a little bit more about your movie taste. But uh, now we're going to go ahead and talk about the film that you had me watch for the first time, The Terminator. You are charged with violations of TEC code 40.8, time travel with intent to alter the future. You're dead, honey. Am I dead? I'm here to help you. I think you planned too far ahead. What day is it? The date. Are we still together in 10 years? What year? 2004. The genie is already out of the bottle. The technology is there. Why me? And a lot of this, what I found interesting watching it again, because it's, it's actually been a while since I've seen it, and that's kind of why I chose it, I kind of wanted to watch it again, um, is actually some of the plot details are like, left till quite later on in the film, but um, it's been out long enough, so we'll spoil it away anyway. But um, basically, in the future, there is this huge uh, nuclear war um, brought on by the machines, basically. And um, But some some uh, humans survive and they kind of uh, still try to fight for their sort of freedom sort of thing. And uh, they they the one of the the sort of chief reasons they manage to survive and try and fight back is this guy called John Connor, who's this sort of great military leader. And um, and what happens is uh, the machines they send uh, what's called the Terminator back. They send uh, a robot back to 1984. Is it? I remember the year. So that to the 80s to kill John Connor's mum before he's born. Uh, but the humans that are still alive in the future, they hear about this somehow, it's not really explained. And uh, so they send someone back, like a soldier, who's Michael, played by Michael Bain, um, they send him back to uh, the 80s to stop the Terminator, who's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, I'm sure everyone knows that. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's the basic premise, is just kind of stopping this Terminator who is pretty much unstoppable. He just does everything he can to take out Sarah Connor, who's the, the mum of John Connor, and she's played by uh, Linda Hamilton. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's it for this, this setup. Uh, from then on, it's just kind of a wild, crazy chase. So, yeah, yeah, and um, and of course, we, we will be like covering the movie throughout, so with ignoring any spoilers that, that may come up. Um, yeah, it's going to happen. Because even before I watched this film, I knew like so much about uh, mm-hmm. what was going to happen, and and of course it, it's helped because I I'm one of those people that I actually watched Terminator Two before I watched the first Terminator. Yeah, and I was I was actually the same actually. Uh, I mean I, I've seen Terminator Two, Terminator One before today, but when I was young I actually saw the second one first as well, <laughs> and we'll get I'll talk about that later. But really. But kind of affected the way I always felt about Terminator. Yeah, and I had actually watched Terminator 2 uh, for the first time recently because it was right. it was going to come up as a uh, an episode of FilmWise, uh, but my guest ended up dropping out uh, at the last minute because uh, he wasn't... Uh, we couldn't schedule it. So I had watched the Terminator 2 and then I didn't have anybody to discuss it with, but... Uh, 
I mean, it, it was worth it, of course, because I mean, the out of the entire Terminator franchise, there's no pretty much no question that the second one is the best one. Oh, we might get into that later. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but going back to the the first one, like I knew uh, so much about it, partly because of the second one, and also because I've I've heard discussions around the the Terminator lore. I mean, because it's it has this just lore around it that it's built through four movies, and and I I haven't seen the third one or the fourth one. Uh, although I have played the uh, the Terminator Salvation arcade game since that's where I work uh, is at an arcade, so I've I've played that uh, quite a few times. Um, but I I knew about the, the whole time travel and um, John Connor is the leader and Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back and he's the bad guy in in this one where he was the the good guy in the second one. Um, and I knew that Kyle Reese, uh, I knew about his character and how he ends up becoming uh, John Connor's father uh, through the events of this movie. And uh, um, I'm trying to think. And like I, I knew, like I recognized some of the lines, like the I'll be back. Yeah. That's uh, the, I think that is actually the first time it appears as well. Because I mean, Annie was in a few couple of films before that. He was in Conan and some other sort of smaller roles, but this was the first time that line actually appeared, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and and I I thought it was kind of interesting because where it comes up, it wasn't exactly the way I expected it to. Because I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a joke. Um, because it, it's almost set up like the way it's yeah. the way it's used now is more like um, about it feels like it's more it's shoehorned into all these films now as a kind of gag, isn't it? Yeah, right. And, and also it, it kind of uh, like I always understood it as like um, setting up for a sequel or yeah. like making fun of the a setup for a sequel. Yeah, even though it's just kind of a a joke um, a joke moment in here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did actually watch just a, a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and um, where James Cameron was talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger about it, uh, and that was, it was filmed. I don't know, probably in the maybe 2000s or late 90s or or somewhere yeah. around that era. And he was, he was talking about how that line he he put it in there, and he knew it was supposed to be more of a joke, but. He didn't expect people to get it on the first watch because he he thought that it was a, like a joke for people who come back and see the film a second time because they knew the the punchline to the joke and he, they realized that that's a setup. But he noticed that it got laughs to, for people watching it the first time around because uh, at that point in the movie they know uh, about the Terminator as a character and, and they can. Yeah, what he can do. <laughs> right, and, and they can just kind of predict what's going to happen. Mm. That, 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 that that is a setup for him to do something Terminator-y. <laughs> yeah. So cool. yeah, I, I knew a, a lot about this film. Um, but watching it again, it it is, it, it is a nice uh, like uh, thriller, because it is more of a like an action thriller than... Like an, an action sci-fi movie. Yeah. 
Um, although, although I was a bit surprised by the way the the flashbacks work, or the, or the flash forwards, or, or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say I found them quite interesting because the flashbacks, uh, flash forwards, it's really weird. Yeah, I, I kind of think of them because they're they're flashbacks from Cal Reese's point of view. Yeah, yeah. It's just technically the flash forwards. Yeah, is I find those quite amusing. The, um, I love the, the I, was, I was surprised by how well a lot of the effects still hold up in those. There's a, there's a bit of a rear projection screening and stuff that's a bit obvious, but uh, they like the, the design and the look still kind of cool. I was, uh, I, um, I was quite impressed by those sequences. Yeah, I, although I, I kind of pointed them out. Like I, 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 I was equal parts impressed by how well they looked, but also I could very much tell exactly what they were. Like, uh, yeah. I mean the the great scene is whenever um Arnold is like uh cutting his uh fake eye his eyeball out. Oh yeah. And it's like okay there's there's real there's real Arnold shot from the side where you can't see anything and there's fake Arnold with the robot eye. Yeah. And then now back to real Arnold, now back to fake <laughs> Arnold. And then cool. and then whenever they cut back to him in the truck it's like and there's real Arnold with the uh, fake prosthetic. That's kind of sticking out a little mm. bit more, but yeah, at, at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, it's like it's very well done, as, especially for like the early '80s. Mm. And I think, and it's more some of the de- some of the designs that I think stand up quite well. I think for me, the big thing is the end endoskeleton at the end um, when when he's finally all his skin's burnt off and he's just the robot. Um, I do think that the, just the look of it is still awesome. I mean, you can kind of tell, like you say, you can kind of see how it's done at times. Like you can tell when it's stop motion and you can tell when it's just a, a puppet, pretty right. much. Um, but it, just the look of it is really cool, and the way that it, there's fire used around it, shining off the chrome and all that, is, it looks awesome. Although I found interesting, I don't know if it's in your the same making of as, as what I got, but um, there's a nice comment from uh, uh, was it Sam Winston, I think, and um, saying how the very final shot where you get the well the final shot of the terminator when you have the close-up of um him getting crushed and his eye like turns off if you like um supposedly that was done that was kind of a, a last minute insert it's like oh we really want to this one last shot so what they ended up doing is it just fudging it together in a, an hour or so using basically foam boards as the sort of presses some tin foil and and a cigarette just to get some smoke <laughs> it's just shows you how low budget it was compared to, to terminator 2 I, and that in general, actually, especially watching the sort of special features is, um, and looking at his IMDb sort of profile after that is, makes you realise how, because the Terminator was very low budget, well, considerably, considerably low budget, especially compared to his other films. But then straight after that, he kind of went straight into big budget stuff. He went straight into Aliens, um, which is big budget at the time. And then he's got stuff like uh, Terminator 2, which is hugely expensive. True Lies, which was the most expensive film of all time that, when it came out. Titanic, which is just ridiculously expensive. <laughs> Avatar, and it's just like his budgets just get ridiculous. Um, so like so every film after that point is the most expensive film ever made at that <laughs> yeah, point. Pretty much, I think. I'm not sure if Aliens was the most, but it probably wasn't far off. Yeah, but it's, it's going kind of from, interesting to see. Yeah, going from True Lies the, to Titanic and yeah. Avatar. It made me realise how few films he's actually done. It, he's done a lot of little documentaries and things, but actually directing uh, sort of main sort of theatrical sort of uh, fiction films, he's not done a huge amount. I guess because he spends so long doing these sort of big, epic, expensive movies, it's uh, he's not done as many as as others have been around as long as he has. He has. Yeah, it it takes an awful lot a lot of time to 
to make a, a, a film with the budget that big. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice. I mean, it, it's great to see <laughs> his roots to, to where this was filmed on such a, a comparatively low budget to where they're like literally scrambling to, to get the effects completed. Like, um, is uh, on the special features I saw, like, um, for the stuff in the future, like they'll, as soon as they get the tire treads built of the robot, they shoot the stuff where you only see the tire treads. And then yeah. as soon as they start building more of it, then they shoot the scenes where they need to see a little bit more of it. <laughs> and like they're shooting as they're building. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And, uh, and it, it's just really great. And it, and it comes across as such, um, just really, really nicely, and and all these practical effects and the miniatures just still hold up for the most part. Yeah. With just a, a little bit, like the the stop motion does come off as stop motion, but it's still the look of it still holds comes across. Yeah, absolutely, I think the thing for me, I mean, I haven't I haven't really gone into my overall sort of thoughts on what I thought of the film too. I was, I am. I, I, um, because as, as I say, I, I I hadn't seen it for a long time, and I'd seen Terminator Two first, and um, I think because I saw Terminator Two first, and I saw them both when I was kind of quite young, like a teenager, early teens. Um, I I I much preferred Terminator Two, like you say, kind of a lot of people prefer Terminator Two, and uh, because the I mean, especially when I was young, it's this crazy, crazily good special effects. It still look good today, most of them, and uh, just as an action spectacle, it's pretty much unrivaled it's just it's got some incredible set pieces in but i tell you what watching terminator one this time round after such a long time and uh I've, I've matured i guess as a person it's like i i it was a bit of a revelation for me watching it again to say i absolutely loved it i to be honest because i saw terminator 2 not too long ago at least most of it i think it was on tv and this is the first time i actually thought I maybe slightly prefer Terminator 1, or at least I can see that Terminator 1 is maybe a stronger film as a, as a whole. I think the action set pieces aren't quite as impressive, but what I found, what I was just amazed by watching Terminator 1 again was just how kind of pure it was as a genre movie and just how sort of, it, it just kind of felt perfect for me. It was like the pacing was spot on. The action scenes, although they're not as big as in Terminator 2, they're, they're great. There's some amazing like car chases in and stuff like that. It's just more down and dirty, uh, brutal sort of action scenes. Uh, the story's engaging. It's interesting, uh, especially for the time. And and, and you've, you've got your strong heroine you can root for. You've got a villain who's awesome, who's just like stupidly intense. Uh, there's a bit of humour. You get a bit of sex and violence in there as well. It's just... <laughs> I just I really enjoyed it. I think I think these days I kind of appreciate I I appreciate things that are toned down a bit more now than I used to. I think I kind of like down and dirty, more low budget sort of um, action that just gets the essentials right. And I kind of I really really got into that this time. So I yeah I I loved it loved it because I I used to kind of think it was okay, but didn't think it was that special. But I don't know. I just yeah, I really really dug it this time. So. Yeah, it's always interesting, and it's really tough to not try to compare this film with Terminator 2. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the big difference is with Terminator 2, you have more characters that you root for. Yeah. Uh, where this one, you, you have Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, and that's pretty much it. And Kyle Reese kind of comes off as this, like crazy person. I, I mean, even though as an audience member, you know that he's telling the truth. Um, mm-hmm. but everybody else doesn't and and he's just kind of this 
he's got the wild eyes and he's this intensity. Um, yeah. And Sarah Connor uh, comes in and she's like just the waitress with her great eighties hair. Yeah. Um, and, and where in, in the second one, she seems, she's a lot more sympathetic. I, I feel like yeah. to where she's been dealing with this knowledge, uh, for however many years, um, at that time. And, and then, uh, just the way that she, and that she does have a kid at that point. And, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in and, as good as he is playing the bad guy, I think he is just um, the way he's charismatic and he really sells the good guy character in Terminator yeah. Two better than the bad guy in the Terminator. Well, maybe, yeah. I, well, I don't know. I like him in both, to be honest. But, um, but I, I, I do like the. I guess it's not just it's not just Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance, but I just love the character of the sort of evil Terminator a lot in terms of how relentless he is i mean like the famous classic line sort of he absolutely will not stop and i do like that and i think uh, arnold schwarzenegger especially this early in his career when he kind of hadn't quite i mean not that he's an amazing actor anyway but he hadn't quite he hadn't been in many films he wasn't quite a great performer but mm-hmm. for the terminator i thought he was quite perfect at this stage in his career because because he because he wasn't great at line delivery and stuff like that in those days he didn't need that for the terminator so he kind of he was just kind of blank and just cold and just and hard and it's just it, it, I, I think it worked wonders but but yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you I think he's great as, uh, as the good Terminator 2 and in fact it, it made me realise how I mean is Terminator the only time he's a villain really just trying to think of um, I guess pretty much um there is I, th- I mean for any of the the things that he's really known for there, there might be something I think some of his early ones he's like a very early ones he's like a henchman like in The Long Goodbye he's got a very small role is it how is that I can't remember, but yeah, he's got a very small role in some some stuff that he's uh, he's like a little hood. But I think it's yeah. one of the first. Times. The only one I can think of where he's the main villain. Yeah, and another great little story from that that uh, interview with with the two of them mm. that was great was whenever they first met uh, James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and they hadn't met before. They met for this movie. And they had this like polite dinner conversation because mm. he was originally, um, they were looking at him to play the role of Kyle Reese. Yeah, uh, yeah. But at the and they go through this whole dinner conversation where they're they're both talking about him playing the role of Kyle Reese, but both of them separately had decided that he would be much better as the Terminator. Like, yeah. Arnold read the script, and, and he's like, you know, I'm reading for Kyle Reese, but I really like this Terminator character. And James Cameron like, was kind of the same way, but they go through this whole dinner conversation, and it's all polite and everything. And then as soon as they get back to their camps, they're like, they're both like, uh, I want the Terminator. I want him for sure. the Terminator. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I yeah, I saw that in the features as well. I think I think one of the features there with James Cameron was kind of saying how I, th- I think he kind of made up his mind up during that meal. I think before the meal, he was telling a friend of his that um, that he he kind of wanted to fob him off because he actually before he had the interview, he didn't think he was right for Kyle Reese. He was like, oh, I'm going to have to to fob him off and come up with something. But yeah, I think through the from speaking to him, he kind of gradually realised no, it's going to be a perfect ten there. What's interesting is that I think as well. Um, 
because uh, the original choice of the Terminator was Lance Henriksen, who ends up um, who I forgot was in this film. He's, he plays one of the police policemen. Yeah, but, um, I didn't know he was in this film either. And I saw his name no. in the cre- in the opening credits. It's like, oh hey, Lance Henriksen Henriksen is in this movie. Yeah, and he has a, a, he has a great little small role in it. Yeah, the, the, him and um, oh, I've got the name of the other guy, but the other sort of police chief guy. He um, they have some nice banter. Some some of the there's not a lot of humor in the film, but where it comes from, it's usually from those guys kind of riffing off each other. What I find another going back to the sort of brutal sort of cold villain, I kind of liked the way that those two guys were dispatched without any sort of fanfare. They were just kind of in that when, when he storms the police. Um, the uh, the police station. Going, right? The police station. That's what they called. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he basically just plows through. They're just shot and killed, and they don't really they don't really spend any time crying over them. It's just like gone. So it's right. like, I kind of like the cold hard sort of uh, feel of this film sometimes. So I like that. But they, yeah, they were good. They don't get this overblown death scene where it's like they have no. this last these last words. It's just like uh, yeah. they get the the big AK-47 or, or whatever it is, and it's like, hey, over here, and then they get Bomb. shot. <laughs> yeah. I like that in general as well. I like the, um, I made a note of the, what was it, the first the first Sarah Connor killing, because the Terminator goes through the phone book and kills all the Terminator Connors in town. Terminator Connors? Sarah Connors <laughs> in town. <laughs> but uh, I love the first one. He basically, all it is, he knocks on the door, he goes, Sarah Connor, or whatever, my best Danny voice, and uh, she's just like, just like, yes, and then just blam, 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 she's dead. It's just... <laughs> I, I, I quite liked that moment. Just kind of again, just no nonsense. I think that's why I like the film. I think, I think, like you say, I mean, the second film has more character development. There's more characters going in, but I kind of like the economy in this film, and like the, it's just so pared down. I, I really like that in films in general. It's, um, especially action films, uh, it, when it's just boiled down to the sort of the, the bare essentials. I, and uh, I, I kind of like that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and, and another thing that. Like a, a kind of smaller moment that I thought was an interesting touch was the the answering machine at Sarah Connor's uh, house that her roommate mentions. Yeah. Like, uh, and and you hear it several times throughout the the first half of the film where it's like she's like, "Hello, oh, yeah. I'm just, uh, I fooled you. You're talking to a machine, and uh, like machines need love too," <laughs> which which is a really great just subtle contrast to what the movie is about this uh, cold-hearted killing machine mm, yeah that was nice although although that scene i think the i was i was trying to come up with because uh, i made quite a few notes i am um, i was trying to come up with some negatives and i think the only negative i could think of because as i say i was kind of it was i was just totally totally sold watching this film again uh, but the only two scenes that kind of bothered me a little bit were the two phone call scenes um because it was just the coincidence was a little too strong it's like annie's just killed her roommate and then oh wow she rings home straight away it's like the coincidence the timing of that was a little bit and then later on in the film she rings her mum and and uh, and terminated uh, the terminator has killed his, uh, you assume has killed the killed her mom and, and takes over her voice um there was the only bits that were a bit like, oh, it's a little bit, little bit silly, but uh, other than that, it's great. But actually, speaking of that, there's another thing I wanted to mention. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Was I think one of the reasons why watching it this time kind of flipped my opinion a little bit in terms of which is the best Terminator was um, it was the first time I kind of realised how much was rehashed in Terminator Two, um, and uh, there's just a, a lot of it. I mean, there's there's obvious because like, the, the whole plot in general kind of is is 
it's almost just doing the same thing again, just rather than trying to kill Sarah Connor, it's trying to kill John Connor. So it's kind of, the whole plot is pretty much just a rehash. But there's loads of little scenes that are taken and just kind of made bigger. So, um, so like, I mean, some of the lines, like, uh, at the beginning, when he, there's Bill Paxton's awesome cameo and uh, those punks at the start, and uh, when he goes, like, I need your clothes, and it's like, obviously, that line's brought up again, and that's that idea of getting clothes off some random thugs is brought back again in Senator 2. And just some of the action scenes, like, there's a big action car chase where Arnie jumps onto the car and is carrying on it, and again, that comes back in Senator 2. At the end... Uh, Terminator commandeers like a lot big lorry and chases after them, and that again comes back in Terminator Two. There's just there's a lot more that I just it made Terminator Two feel a lot lazier than I remembered. It's just kind of a taken Terminator and just added more characters and added more to it, and that's again like I say, it kind of made me because because I'm I kind of I like economy. I think I I think it made me appreciate the first film uh, a lot more. But I, I I won't say it sort of destroyed in my view of Terminator 2, I still adore Terminator 2, it's one of my, still one of my favourite films, uh, because I'm such a fan of action cinema, and, and, and it's just, it's so spectacular, I mean, the action set pieces are, are just gobsmacked, and the effects and stuff are just gobsmacking in the second one, but I, just as a sort of a pure genre film, that first film it really stood up for me. Yeah, and and I was kind of surprised. Like, I wasn't exactly expecting the line "Come with me if you want to live" uh, to uh, show up yes. in this movie because I I felt I thought that that was something that was uh, that came up in just the second mm. movie. Yeah, there's loads of little lines that kind of uh, kind of used in both, aren't they? Or, or variations on a theme. Yeah, and and one of the other uh, moments of humor that that I liked was. Uh, just a, a brief scene whenever uh, the Terminator's at the hotel or the motel and the the guy knocks oh, yeah. on the door and he's like, uh, you got a dead cat in there or something? And then, and then he goes through scrolling the list of possible responses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that scene until I saw it again like, the other day. Yeah, that was funny. And that's just like, it's something that you, at that point in the film, you don't expect that kind of humor to, to come from the Terminator. He's just no, this cold no. killing machine. And, and that's like just a great moment of comic relief in this yeah. really uh, dark um, thriller. Because yeah. it, it is more about the the chase and yeah. the danger than it is about the action. Yeah. Another thing I, I liked about it as well is because um, in terms of it, it still has that kind of there is a complex element to the narrative in terms of getting your head around the the uh, time travel aspect. Uh, but other than that, there's actually not a huge amount of story to it. But what I loved about the film actually was, and I only again I only realised this on a rewatch, is most of the exposition is is told during like car chases and stuff. So it kind of uh, it, it it kind of avoids too much downtime by getting rid of its complicated exposition during a car chase, uh, or they're just hiding in that garage sort of thing. And uh, I kind of liked that. There's there's a bit more exposition later on, when, and a little bit of downtime when they get the hotel and stuff like that and that's when it gives them time to establish a bit of a romantic connection and, and all that sort of stuff but um but i yeah, kind of liked how a lot of the early exposition is delivered in such a fast-paced sort of way and then there's also the the scene of exposition which is it's kind of a, a nice touch where, where you see the uh, the psychiatrist who shows up again in the second film, and a lot of it comes out during the uh, the interrogation scene that Sarah's watching through the video monitor. 
about how Kyle is talking about the future to the people it's that don't really believe thing. him. Yeah. Um, and, and then one thing that – the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about this film because I, I noticed it's kind of a, in a negative way is uh, the score. What, what did you think about the score of this oh, film? Oh, no. I had, a, I had a note. I had a note of how cool I think this score is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's dated in terms of production. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of – because I have a huge soft spot for 80s and 90s sort of action movies, I like the synthy sort of cheesy synthy stars. And I think – yeah, no, I liked – I can see what you mean. There's moments where it does kind of sound cheap and like done in a basement sort of thing, but but well, you yeah, can't which it beat. Was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you can't beat that. You like the. I think the story the almost. Movie, and again, they. Yeah, I, I think the story almost makes up for the the poorness of it because it, it is another one of those things, uh, which I believe a, a similar thing happened with Aliens and the score to that movie. Yeah. To where he was pretty much doing this like in his basement. He was doing it by himself. Mm-hmm. And he was doing it as the scenes came in. Yeah, <laughs> but no, for me, I think because he—I mean—he wrote the original score. This anyone to have come up with that, I—I—I'll listen. I'll listen to their cheesy synth moments. I—I I, I really like the score. Yeah, yeah I—I I, I will say that the part that I do like about the score is like the the drum beats and the, the uh, yeah. um, like the percussion in the background but i just didn't like the the synth moments because i i thought that it just felt in a lot of places just a little bit too jarring to me yeah i I, yeah i could see where you're coming from but i don't know i i have a lot of nostalgia for that i think it it works for me (laughs) and again i think it's just the main theme is so iconic for me i just every time i heard that i was like yeah I just uh, and it got stuck in my head the whole night afterwards. I was just like, dun, 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 driving my wife crazy. <laughs> right, but, but yeah, overall, I do think that it's a great film, and it, it's it's a different beast from Terminator Two, but it it holds up in its own right, and and it's a great look at like early practical effects, and it's just done really well. And it's it's one of those films that that makes a budget look ten times greater than it actually was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But we are going to take a quick break, and then whenever we come back, we are going to talk about the film that I had you watch for the first time, Mm -hmm. Time Cop. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Check out the Blueprint Review podcast at blueprintreview.co.uk. This could be interesting yeah. because I know we've got some very diverse people. I'm going to be arguing with Darren a lot. Yeah, like, I think it's going to be me, V, you, lot, with Amy Law yeah. sat in the middle. Uh, I think well, I'm to, to be honest, I think it's about expectation. Yeah. Like, I think. Yeah, I expected it to be. <laughs> Usually. The two films that we talk about are very different from each other. That whenever you compare like a, a classic movie or even a modern classic to a superhero film, they are usually very far apart in terms of tone and story and, and all that. But this is one of the first times where the two films that we're talking about are actually very similar. They they involve time travel. They they came out just about ten years apart. They they're starring a uh, someone who's mostly known for being an action star in 
in kind of these cheesy action movies in the 80s and 90s. But uh, Time Cop came out in 1994, just 10 years after The Terminator, and it was an adaptation of a Dark Horse comic of the same name, and it starred Jean-Claude Van Damme. And one of his first few bigger budget films, after he kind of came on the scene for Bloodsport, he, he did a few other ones, like uh, Universal Soldier was before this, but this was one of those that, that really became a, a success and made him more of a of a star. And it involves this time travel um, government agency called the TEC, where they patrol people who go back in time for their own gain, who are trying to change the past uh, in order to benefit their future. And he is this uh, cop that gets um, that gets recruited into the TEC, and now he's... Uh, and in the past, his, uh, his girlfriend and his house get blown up. Um, and then there's also this, uh, this senator who is who's played by Ron Silver, and he is basically trying to buy his way into the presidency, and he's using the TEC members in order to help him go back in time in order to to make himself money. And uh, he keeps changing the future, and because uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme has uh, been going back in time, he's the only one that knows um, what's going on. Um, and then it's just this whole kind of convoluted, uh, time travel story involving all, all these different possible futures and um, and it's it's a uh, we're going from like a a semi low budget 80s action movie to a moderate to higher budget 90s action sci-fi movie uh, but since this was the first time that you watched it what did you think about time cop yeah i um I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I, I, I'm a big, a big action fan, as I, I keep saying. So these these two films are a perfect choice for me, really. But um, funnily enough, although I'm a big action fan, I haven't seen a lot of the sort of classic Van Damme films. I think when I was younger, I was into action movies when I was younger, but I was kind of pretty much just an Arnie man. I kind of I watched all the Arnold watching films. I, I think, but some of the other guys, I think like Van Damme in particular, a lot of his films were 18s, and my parents are kind of quite strict in. When he's younger, that's the UK sort of sort of classification. And uh, in the UK, you've, you've got uh, like U, PG, twelve, and basically from twelve onwards, and uh, like twelve, fifteen, eighteen, it's just basically an age. You can't watch this. You can't like go to the cinema to see this unless you're twelve or fifteen or eighteen. So my parents kind of didn't let me watch many eighteen films. Um, I snuck in a few, but uh, <laughs> but it, until I was more like I don't know sixteen or something like that. So I hadn't actually seen a lot of Van Damme movies, even though I call myself a a big sort of action movie fan so i've been kind of catching up with them recently um and uh, i must say this is possibly my favorite so far I, I really enjoyed it i think and what i kind of liked about it, you talked about how it's quite a big budget i think i, I get very nostalgic about these films and uh, because these days the sort of trashy action movies uh, the sort of equivalent of stuff like time cop it's done more straight to dvd it's kind of shot on digital video it's kind of cheap and uh, they don't have the same sort of budgets or the same sort of releases that they did then and i really cherish that sort of late 80s 90s sort of period when action cinema was king and you were getting these huge budget sort of uh, action action movies and uh, that's it's kind of one thing i really enjoyed about this is is it's it's um even though it's kind of 
trashy and it's and you say it was it was it was brought out um you say it's very similar to terminator i think especially this came only two couple of years at two or three years after terminator 2 and i think this is kind of ripping off terminator 2 more than <laughs> more than anything um just from some of the effects i mean you've got that sort of morphing type effect when they go through time and stuff and and uh so it's kind of ripping off that, but but as I say, I kind of like the production values are solid on this, uh, which you don't get a lot nowadays with the with the um, action movies. And the cinematography was good, which bizarrely I noticed when I watched the credits at the start is the director um, is it Peter Hyams? I keep getting it mixed up because his son makes movies. Oh well. yeah, Peter Hyams is it? He was also the DOP. I don't think you get that very often. Uh, the <laughs> director's also the DOP, but, um, but yeah, it looks good. It was it was just fun. It kind of like. Uh, well paced there wasn't really any downtime where I was looking at the watch it was uh, the action the set pieces aren't particularly memorable but but they're solid and uh, you get to see Van Damme throwing some cool high kicks and doing the splits unnecessarily (laughs) as usual and and yeah, I, I, had, I just had a lot of fun with it. it. It hit all the right nostalgic notes for me, as well as just being kind of fun, goofy. Yeah, it rips off Terminator 2, but it's, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and, and the big difference between the two films is that Time Cop takes itself a lot less seriously. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot more humor. There, there's a lot more like cheesiness and, and goofiness looking back on it. And, and that makes it, it makes it feel a lot more fun. And out of the two, the two films, like I can appreciate the, the Terminator a little bit more, but I had a lot more fun watching Time Cop. And and they even like yeah. they they both have kind of kind of similar moments because they they both have like the one sex scene because uh, Terminator had the the sex scene between Calories and uh, Linda Hamilton uh, Sarah Connor and then this one has the sex scene at the beginning with John Glenn Van Van Damme and Mia Sarah. Yeah, I I, I noted that in my notes as well. But what I what I thought as well is how how kind of unnecessary it is in Time Cop, and then in Terminator, it's kind of unnecessary, but at the same time, it does it's kind of it kind of is needed to explain how he's the father. So it kind of I like the way how in Time Cop it was purely there to quick let's get some boobs in here. <laughs> I, I guess right. I guess you could you could argue it shows they had a, a strong relationship with his wife who gets killed, but but yeah, it was kind of it did feel a little bit like just chucked in to keep to keep the guys happy or whatever. But. Yeah, I will say it was definitely a little bit more earned in the the Terminator because they they have the whole movie to set it up. Where in Time Cop, it's it is a a bit more gratuitous and and it is just kind of because they they have a very limited time to to show the relationship between uh, Jean Claude Van Damme and Mia Sarah. I guess that's a quick way of showing that yeah they got on. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and it's almost impossible to talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme without talking about him doing the splits because <laughs> I know especially around this time he managed to get him doing the splits in every single movie and, and not just doing the splits but doing the the move where he jumps into the splits yeah when he, elect- and, he electrocutes that guy he jumps in the water. <laughs> right and, and one thing that I noticed that this time watching it which I don't think I noticed the the previous time is is even they even have it like in the mall in the the very beginning in the opening shot they have like these balloon sculptures and even the balloon men are doing the splits <laughs> I didn't notice that <laughs> oh, um, but yeah it's it's got a uh, and I'm always fascinated by these um, time travel stories where it it deals with alternate futures 
and there's the one person that's that's unaffected and knows that the future is being altered where nobody else does. And I think this han- this movie handles that aspect of it pretty well. Uh, yeah. Because we've, we've got the uh, the Senator McComb played by Ron Silver, and I think he is the best character in this film by far. Yeah, like Ron Silver just uh, chews up the scenery as this over the top villain. Like he has the the great moment in the uh, in the limousine with his like press advisor, and he just yeah. like smashes the guy's head into the uh, into the side of the limo and bloodies his nose, and then just like continues to go on like nothing's happened yeah it's like the very first time you see him he barely says anything but just from his face it's like yeah he's the bad guy <laughs> it's brilliant Does that... yeah no i, I like it yeah and as you say the, the the kind of using the time travel and stuff i'm with you I, I kind of it's rare that i don't like a time travel movie i just find the the whole idea interesting i mean people always talk about the paradoxes and stuff that happens and there's there's always flaws you can pick if you look hard enough um, and I'm sure you can pick many in here. I mean, but it just, I just, the concept just makes something inherently interesting. And I kind of liked some of the goofy ways they, well, not necessarily goofy, but some of the sort of fun ways they played with time travel in terms of why bad guys were going back to, how bad guys were using time travel. So they were going back to the Wall Street crash and buying up cheap stock <laughs> so that they'd be millionaires. Stuff like that. I, I, I liked little touches like that. Um, it's kind of cool. I think one thing you mentioned about, about, um, uh, John Claude Van Damme knowing what other people don't know. The only thing that kind of it didn't bother me, but it it it, bog, it always boggles my mind. I think this happens a lot in time travel films. Anyway, was was the very end? Was at the very end he um, he has everything's changed, and obviously his wife's not dead anymore. Big spoiler, but whatever. <laughs> and um, and he uh, and and obviously he's so he's like he goes and and starts living into this living this new existence, um, just straight after he's he's gone back to the present after being back 10 years in the past but one thing for me that that baffles me in that is is what about that so he's basically just lost 10 years of memory (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of like yeah it's like how would that work i mean wouldn't they would those memories come back when he came back in time or like i guess in the film they don't come back he's he's just so it's weird he loses 10 years kind of don't exist for him it's yeah he has a he has a 10 year old son now that's it that he didn't get to see grow up Which is just kind of messed up when you think about it. <laughs> but um, even though it's kind of a happy ending, you think, actually, that's really that's going to be really difficult to deal with. <laughs> but that's what time that's what time cop two should be. It's like the <laughs> the marital struggles that they have after, like, <laughs> yeah. like he comes in and and it's like you know you, you don't feel like my son anymore. <laughs> like I didn't get to see you grow up. Yeah, he's getting all the facts wrong that people, all the conversations he doesn't, people just doesn't know what anyone's talking about. Yeah, so uh, so it's, yeah, it's kind of that's the whole thing with time travel. It's like always when you think about it, it's like the more the more time travel films you make, the more you realise it probably isn't possible because it's just too much of a mess. <laughs> but I don't know. It's uh, but I, I do I do I do good watching them. They're always good fun. Like uh, I, I'm sure that like the. The easy out for it, which they didn't write into the film, but I, I believe I've heard of it being like I've seen it happen in other time travel films is like as time would as time go on, he would kind of normalize to his timeline and his memories would kind of slowly his memories of that timeline would slowly start to replace his alternate timeline memories like amnesia sort of thing, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that might make sense. Uh, it's all it's all very very weird. <laughs> yeah, but um, there 
I know you mentioned like the special effects where where this is the great early nineties CGI versus all the practical effects. Yeah. Which I, I think that they were done on a limited enough basis that that they still hold up for the most part. Like I I love I really love the the time travel effect, which is like yeah. this this CGI like water ripple in the in the space um in in the air. Yeah, I like those too. I think the, the one CGI effect that didn't work for me because I, I noted that as well. But it was the the when they actually kill the senator guy. There's this weird <laughs> bit where he kind of he, he melds with his future self and uh, it makes this weird CGI sort of mess. And that looked a bit naff. But uh, but I agree. I think the the time travel effect was pretty cool. There's, there's also a um, another Terminator 2 ripoff in terms of the effects as well, where he freezes somebody's arm and smashes it off, which is kind of cool. But obviously a massive ripoff in Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah, although this guy doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't come back. <laughs> he just, no. he just dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it also doesn't look nearly as well because it's good because it's, it's like it, this weird. Awful-looking CGI <laughs> yeah. section of his uh, shoulder down to his hip. That's like these, Badly trimmed. <laughs> yeah, like this gray icicle-looking <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the like the water drop effects, and and that was, I, I mean, the way that he uh, kills the senator at the end. That that was always my biggest nitpick of the film. The mm. the whole. Because the, they they have this they set it up near the beginning or yeah. they talk about how you can't go into the future because it hasn't happened yet and you can't interact with your past self because the same matter can't occupy the same place at the same time. Yeah. But it's that's my biggest nitpick because ten years into the future it's not the same matter anymore. Oh yeah, your <laughs> living cells have regenerated. Yeah, it's, yeah, very true. <laughs> and so, and even if it was the the same cells, like even if you went back like five minutes and interacted with yourself, you wouldn't be like the same atoms wouldn't be able to touch because atoms are like ninety nine point nine percent space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was it was a bizarre way, of, <laughs> just an excuse to kill off someone with dodgy CGI. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, although I will say that, like it. They did, even though he didn't, I I wouldn't say he quite looked 10 years different. Uh, they did do a good job of, of making Ron Silver, like showing the difference between the young Ron, Ron Silver and the old Ron Silver as, as yeah, well as yeah. the, uh, the young and old uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. It's kind of, it, they didn't overdo it, but it was noticeable. They kind of, uh, yeah, they pulled, pulled that off. <laughs> where uh 94 van damme has the nice clean cut hair and then the <laughs> the 2004 van damme has the 90s mullet <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's yeah that's another thing actually some of the some of the sort of uh future things all those cars they were driving in the future was kind of <laughs> wobbling around when they were just parking so they were uh. kind of it didn't that, make any sense. Was, There's like no windows in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they're they're supposed to be self-driving cars. So yeah, that, that was the thing that that really bothered me again. This during this watch, it's like those future cars just look so awful. I mean, who yeah. who came up with design of those cars? It's like to just take a regular car and put all this, like try to make it look like a DeLorean, only without any windows and without the uh, the the goal the 
the wing doors and just uh, I don't know make it make it look like Star Trek threw up on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the original Star Trek threw up yeah. on it. But other than that, like it, it's just really fun, and, and it it does get to show off uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's fighting skills, yeah. which most it, of the the fight scenes were were really well done. Yeah, they're pretty decent. I mean, I mean going back, I mean if you compare it to, well, it's not not much of a fight film, but if you if you compare, it, the only thing I was thinking of because we were watching Terminator, I was thinking of Terminator Two, which came out a couple of years ago. It didn't have the memorable set pieces that that does. But the set pieces are all solid. They're all, yeah, as I say, the, the fighting's pretty good. Um, I think it's because you can see, actually, that because um, Peter Hyams, uh, he directed uh, Sudden Death, which I've not seen, but I've heard is, again, one of one of uh, Van Damme's better films. And he's, he directed one recently called Enemies Closer, which I, which I've heard a few people say that's pretty decent, Van Damme film. So, so I think he had a kind of good relationship with him. And actually, his son, John Hyams, has made a few films with Van Damme. And, uh, and again, they were some of his better ones. He made the two... The last two Universal Soldier movies, not not number two, but number three and number four, which again they're supposed to, they're supposed to be pretty decent. I haven't watched them yet, and uh, one called Dragon Eyes, which I think again is supposed to be one of the better late sort of Van Damme movies. So I think him and his dad kind of uh, uh, do quite well with Van Damme. Whereas whereas you see especially kind of his late nineties thousand sort of two thousand sort of films, he's made a lot of crap really. <laughs> so I, I think his only sort of decent ones tend to be with these two guys, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's about using him in the right ways, I guess. Yeah, and uh I mean there's um I I do like the the fact that whenever this film starts off it it's like uh, the first scene is in the old West. Yeah. And it's it has a great moment where it's if if you're watching this for the first time you you're probably not sure exactly what's going on. What did you yeah. think about that that opening scene? Well, that did surprise me. I mean, um, because I I did know the concept of the film because I, I can remember when it came out and stuff. I kind of like the film I wanted to see, but when I was I was too young. But um, so I. It didn't surprise me so much. It did surprise me a bit. I, I didn't expect the film to be set in that period. So it did surprise me in that way. Um, but I kind of knew it was a time travel movie. So I kind of expected... Well, I expected uh, John Cobb Van Damme to pop up and do something. But it, that didn't happen. But um, So that was kind of a surprise. Uh, but it wasn't, as I say, because I was kind of knew what I was expecting. It wasn't that that big of a surprise. And it was I, actually... Picking it as a, um, as a film for this, actually, I didn't realise it was based on... Uh, series of comic books at all. I, I, I was really surprised when I saw it on your list. That's kind of what it jumped out at me. Um, yeah, I just assumed it was just written as, as a Terminator ripoff or something as, um, in the 90s. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of information about the actual comics. I, I know that it was a, it was published by Dark Horse, and uh, I believe that it was not like a, a very. I don't think it was a long running series. I think that it had maybe right. a few issues, and then they came out with the movie. And then they had a few issues based on the movie, yeah. uh, kind of like the, um, and that's that's kind of similar to the way Men in Black turned out because the okay. Men in Black was actually this like very small independent comic that had like I don't know maybe a, a four or five or six issue run and and then it had another small run and then it got optioned by the movie yeah. and, and then it's had some issues that were that used the likenesses of, of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in it. Yeah, and then, I think, and then I believe that that comic kind of went away. Yeah, I think because the um, I did notice when I was looking up the film that the the two writers of the comic series wrote the film as well, which is kind of 
uh, which is nice. It doesn't it doesn't always happen these days with a lot of the uh, they don't usually bring the same writers back. So it's kind of I think it's I think it's nice to do that mm-hmm. now and again. And uh, let's see. I I mean one of the the things that that I I think I like the best, uh, other than I, I think just Ron Silver's character in general, but uh, I, I think was like the the last scene, uh, the the big kind of climactic scene where he goes back to to try and save his uh, his girlfriend or, or wife. I, I don't remember if they were married at the time. I think they were, yeah. Um, and they they have this big action scene in the house with uh, past and future. Jean Claude Van Damme and, and Mia Sara, uh, although I I always thought it was weird the, the fact that he knows that she's pregnant and then he sends her like she goes out onto the roof <laughs> yeah. in the rain. <laughs> yeah. It's like what what was her plan? Where was she gonna go after that? <laughs> it was cool to see her. It took me a while to recognize. It's after the film, I had to look her up. I was like, I know her from something. I know her from something. And it's um, she's Ferris Bueller. She's uh, yeah, Ferris Bueller and and uh, uh, Legend is where I ah Legend um, yeah cool. I've seen and, Legend for ages. <laughs> um, yeah, they, and like a, a lot of those. Uh, this was kind of based around the those moments where uh, I think another great scene that that I really enjoyed is the one where uh, where Macomb goes back to his past self to, in yeah. order to like to make the biggest change where he has this deal with this uh, microchip company where mm-hmm. as a young when he was younger he decided to pass on it and then this this microchip company went went big. And then he goes back and changes it, so he uh, he kills the the guy, and he becomes and it becomes Macomb Industries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and, whole the whole time travel sort of office and stuff has changed, all the staff and everything. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but I I really love like his interaction with himself, and it's like yeah. And and there's some great moments in there, like just great fun moments where. Uh, he tells the the guy, um, it's like, stop interrupting me whenever I'm talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. And you tell him to lay off the chocolate candy bars or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a nice little scene. And he's also like making a big deal about trying not to touch him. Like he uh, hands him the, the envelope, but he like drops it into his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I say as well with the, with the lines for him as well, because um in terms of the comedy, because it, it 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 doesn't take itself too seriously, but I think it's good that you've got someone like Ron Silver kind of delivers some of the nice sort of humour in there. Because I tend to find that Van Damme, as good he is as he is at doing the splits and doing the action scenes, is he's not very good at delivering like some of the lines because he has a few like corny sort of jokes and they don't really work. And it's just yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily some of the other cast members get um, get uh, get their own lines. Right, it is it is pretty obvious that that he is still not quite leading leading man material, like not quite no. a mainstream Hollywood actor yet. No. Um, because he, I mean, they they do at least kind of throw in the the joke about how he uh, doesn't know his English very well. It's like uh, I think that they make the joke where he can people can read his mind, and it's like, well, they can't understand your accent. <laughs> I can't think I missed that line. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like very at the very beginning whenever he stopped the uh, um, the roller skating purse snatcher. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I, I mean that that was that in itself was like a nice introduction to him as a character too. Because yeah, yeah. it, it gets to show off his uh, his fighting skills without him actually fighting. Yeah. Just where he gets to like just stand there with his his boot at uh, <laughs> yeah. head level, and it's like, uh, uh, what does that say? <laughs> Read between the lines. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but yeah, but for the rest of the movie, his acting is. It's definitely a little bit wooden, but he's not really called upon to do that much. No, no he, 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 he gets away with it. It's more just some some of the deliveries he just is not great at, but he, he still kind of works as the hero. He's still kind of still kind of rooting for him, I guess, uh, because he has such a there's such a brutal sort of opening to his character. His wife gets killed, and and he kind of although it doesn't you don't find out till later that she's pregnant, but there's hints there that the audience see that it's like okay, yeah, I can see where where this is going. Yeah. So you, you kind of feel for him uh, without him having to be um, act too much. Th- there is that one scene where he's uh, like drinking whiskey and watching home videos, which is a pure cliche sort of. Uh, yeah, broken. which I, whenever I watch that scene, I, I, I noticed it the first time. And, and it's kind of surprising because a film that comes out later actually feels like it, it pulls from this film is uh, Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has a very similar scene in, in it where he's like watching the home videos and, and he's like reciting the line, reciting his own line. So you can tell that he's like watched this dozens of times before. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think the kind of the weakest part of his character is those really cheesy one-liners yeah, he just struggled to to pull them off. Which I mean, they they feel kind of forced, but at the same time, they're like watching them now. It's very like '90s nostalgic to get because yeah. we don't get as many of of those like action films where the the hero gets the chance to to say these one-liners after he kills somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I kind of I noted that in general. I think. I don't. I don't know if it's just nostalgia, which is why I enjoyed the film so much. I don't know if other people who are maybe a bit younger or whatever, or, or older, who um, didn't really get into those that era of action movies that might might not appreciate it. But for me, it's the total sweet spot. So I um, I enjoyed it a lot, and it was a good example of it as well. Because I mean, I, I still this there's, there's still plenty of 80s and 90s action movies that have dated and they're pretty dull now. But this kind of this delivers the goods to do it pretty well. Really, I liked it. Yeah, well, I am glad to to hear that you enjoyed it, and, and it was uh, it was fun for me to to go back to it. This is one of those films where um, I I haven't seen like I didn't grow up with it. I, I watched it for the first time uh, uh, in combination. I, I watched it for my site, and I also watched it because uh, it was movie of the month over at the Lamb. Uh, yeah. So I watched it for that Lamb cast. Um, and it, it was fun watching it then, and it was just as much fun watching it now. And I, I do think that I I want to watch it again in, in the near future because it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's I mean the, there's nothing there's not a lot of meat to it, but it's just a, a fun little '90s action film with Jean Claude Van Damme doing the splits and some nice time time travel in it. Yeah. Yeah. Good solid fun. It doesn't really have anything 
Uh, I mean, not that it's a perfect film, but it, it, there's not really much sort of anything sort of overly bad to sort of not like, not enjoy about it, other than it's kind of cheesy, but you kind of expect that when you it, yeah. with the expectations you have for this kind of film it it doesn't get anything wrong in the other side the sort of action stakes or the pacing stakes or anything like that it kind of yeah it delivers, delivers everything you want from this kind of movie yeah, yeah. And, and there was one like uh, little twi- plot twist towards the towards the middle uh, what did you think about that where um, his uh, internal affairs partner turns on him oh yeah um I wasn't actually expecting it to be honest, so uh, it kind of, yeah, it kind of worked for me. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird how later on he kind of grows to he, he's he's just quite pally with her quite soon afterwards. Um, but I guess you can see that he she gets screwed over as well. But it, it did bother me a little how he kind of accepts her again quite easily um, after she tries to pretty much gets him almost gets him killed. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see it coming. I must admit. Yeah, well, I mean, she was doing it because Macomb. Basically, was threatening to erase her yeah. and her family. Yeah, I guess so. Which is how he gets rid of his competition. Which I, I will say that that is one bit of a plot hole to because once Walker, once Jean Claude Van Damme starts going after Macomb, you would think that the first thing he would do would be to erase him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that and that would solve all his problems just right there. But uh, yeah. aside from, but then we wouldn't have a movie. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's like the, the the one thing I was thinking with Terminator. I mean, there's there's probably a lot of things you can get into with, again with any time travel films. But with Terminator, it's like okay, they stop Arnie, but couldn't they just keep sending back Terminators <laughs> until they succeed? It's probably can't be that well, difficult the, to kill one person. Well, they do explain kind of explain that uh, that Kyle was on a one way trip because they destroyed the time travel device after they left or after he oh, went back. Oh yes, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, and and they were, and the way he tells it, like they were on the verge of winning, which was why they sent the Terminator back, because that was the the machine's last ditch effort. Okay, I missed I missed some of the detail. Yeah, uh, that's true. All right, well, I think that wraps up our show. Um, I'd like to thank you again for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. And why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, uh, Blueprint Review, which is blueprintreview.co.uk. All right, and as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me at flightstightsatmovienights.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and you can also find the sh- follow the show on Twitter at FilmWise, where uh, I post uh, upcoming guests and uh, the upcoming posters as as I make them. If you want to know what shows will be coming up in the near future, and um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can find it on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at Podomatic, where you can get the RSS feed if you listen to it through other apps. Um, and if you want to know what two films we'll be talking about on the next regular episode, go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. When do we start? We just did. Bing! Bing! He's a ghost. You'll never find him. Fast. Strong. Had a mental arm. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. The price of freedom is high. And it's a price I'm willing to pay. He might be okay.